surrender is your natural state. In fact, surrender is hardwired into your physiology. You breathe in, you don't just keep breathing in, you have to breathe out. Exhale, ah, it's surrender. So every breath, life is reminding us that the nature of life is surrender. You breathe in, you exhale. You breathe in, you surrender. It's ebb and the flow, the inhale, the exhale. The nature of life, the nature of breath, the nature of moment is the surrender. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and calling into the show today, we have Coot Blackson. Coot is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's also the author of the book, The Magic of Surrender. Coot, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, when I think of the word surrender, all that comes to mind is the catchphrase from Galaxy Quest, never give up, never surrender. But your message is that surrendering is actually a good thing. But before we get to that, I want to make sure that we're all playing with the same terms. What exactly is surrender? Yeah, I think in our culture today, we have this idea that surrender is weak. Surrender means giving up, that if you surrender, you're waving the white flag, that you're going to get left behind, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be a victim, taken advantage of, that if you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, your dreams, desires. And what I'm really saying that if you surrender, if you surrender, what if you didn't get less, but what if you got more, more than you could even have intended and imagined for yourself? And so I believe that surrender is, in fact, the most powerful thing that you can do. As you've alluded in your answer, the status quo is that surrender is bad. Why do you personally see it differently? So many of the best things that really happened in your life happened without your planning. They just happened in the process of living life in so many ways. If you look at so many things in your life that you thought were the worst thing in the moment, but if you look back now, you see how they were actually amazing how things in the moment may not have seemed to be going your way or unfolding the way you wanted, didn't work out the way you wanted. But now as you look back in retrospect, you see how it was necessary and it was perfect. That's the possibility of surrender. When we surrender, we're available. When we surrender, we're open. Now, let me be clear. Surrender doesn't mean sitting on your couch and doing nothing. Surrender doesn't mean not taking responsibility. Surrender doesn't mean being lazy. I'm just going to sit on the couch and just wait for the universe, wait for life, wait for Oprah to knock on my door and discover me. I call it the old paradigm. was all about the the ego-based model of creating your life, which is all about make it happen, hustle harder, do more, make it happen, make it happen. And you can manifest it, but it's often limiting in some ways. And so the old paradigm simply asks the question, what do you want? Get clear on what you want. We don't really ask the question, who am I? Who is the I? We sometimes achieve what we thought we wanted, only to realize that what we thought we wanted was not what we really wanted. It was just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. And so many times our goals can be projections of unmet needs. When we talk about surrender, there's a slightly different question that we're inviting. The question becomes, what is it that my soul is guiding me to do? What is the deepest impulse that life is seeking to express through me? 
and allowing yourself to, to be still and then listen and allow yourself to be guided by that. The real question becomes, not what do I want, but what is it that, that life is seeking to express to me? And then you can plan and strategize and align your resources, your money, your strategy, your actions. But now you're working in a direction and a pathway that is authentic, not just trying to do something for the sake of doing it or force something that isn't truly your highest expression. In the beginning of your book, you share an experience that you had with your mother and what you learned. Can you share that with our listeners now? Mm. Um, yeah. Um, in 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Uh, complete shock to me. Very unexpected. My mother was the person I loved the most, so it was, it was really hard. And... Uh, I was living in Los Angeles, California. She was in London. I began flying back and forth from Los Angeles to London every month for one week to be with her. It took a lot out of me, but it was a, a really amazing, amazing experience. What started out as the worst year of my life, honestly, became the best year of my life because I got to spend so much time with my mother, time that I had not taken because I was so busy running around the world trying to help people. And I would sit with my mother in chemo every month, holding her hand, talking about nothing. I'd sit with my mother uh, having a cup of tea or washing the dishes with her. All the things that I had deemed not important, now that I knew that she was potentially dying, every moment became sacred. You know, The only regret I have in my life, to be honest, was why did I wait until my mother was dying? spend this time with her. Like I, w- I really wished I had taken the time earlier. And so in, in a strange way, the cancer gave us a deeper relationship and, and a blessing in a, in a certain way. And so about six months into this process, the doctors finally said to us, there's nothing else we can do. Get your affairs in order. Basically, they let you know that you're, you're, you're dying. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment when the doctor said this and I was holding back tears, we went outside of the hospital and we sat in the car and I looked my mother in the eyes, realizing that this, I don't know how long I would have with her. Each moment could be the last time I see her. It started hitting me and I looked my mother in the eyes and I asked her two questions. The first one was, are you afraid? And my mother said to me, this Japanese, my mother's Japanese, a Japanese little woman said to me, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body. This body is just a temporary vehicle for my soul. And even when this body goes, I will be with you from the other side, guiding you. It was so profound. I felt my mother's strength. I felt her conviction, you know. Then I looked into her eyes, wanting to be a good son. And I said, what do you need? What do you want? What can I do for you to make your final days easier? And she looked at me and she, she said, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. The only thing I want is what God wants for my life. That was it. And in that moment, I realized something very profound. I felt her conviction. I felt her unshakableness. I realized that she was free. I realized that she was truly surrendered. Not in some woo-woo sense on a mountaintop, but in the face of death. In the most 
raw, real experience of life. She was living surrender, demonstrating it for me as an example. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was just free. But she was truly at peace. And I saw the power, the real power of what it is to live in surrender and openness. And that was what inspired me. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I, I can only imagine what those moments were like for you and for your mother. And it it really illustrates the the, the power of letting go. I, I have to say that there was, a, there was a lot of truth in the story that you shared. And there was a lot of surrender mm. in, in the story that you shared. But but being being that truthful and, and, and that honest and that self-aware is a difficult thing to do. How does one get started down that path? Because it's, it's very easy to say, just let go, just surrender, just be honest with yourself. But it's, it's much harder to do in practice. Look, to be honest, I'm going to question, I'm going to challenge that because we say, oh, it's so hard to be honest. No, it's not. It's actually harder to lie. Because the cost of living the light in your life is something you have to live with every day. And that's painful. It's more expensive to BS yourself and to live the lie and all the energy that it takes to lie to people, lie to someone else, pretend. That's, that's exhausting. And this is why I say, look, just start by telling the truth. Just write down. Write down. What lies am I telling myself? List it out. Here's all the lies I'm telling myself. Boom. Start there. You don't have to do anything about it. Just begin there. Just start. Just get real. I'm not in love. I hate my job. I'm not healthy. I'm addicted to alcohol. Just begin by acknowledging what is and be with that, even if you don't do anything. I'm not saying even let go. I'm just saying get honest with what's there. Now, somebody might say, well, how do I know if I'm lying to myself? It's so hard because I don't even know if I'm lying to myself. Here's how. Number one. You feel ongoing emotional pain. Emotional pain can be ongoing frustration, anger, depression. Me, this can be a sign that you're not living in touch with your truth, even if you're not sure why. The challenge is when we feel pain as human beings, here's what we do. We distract ourselves. We drink it away, smoke it away, sex it away, porn it away, drug it away, social media it away, shop it away, work it away, whatever it is so that we don't feel the pain. And so if you're not sure that you're lying to yourself, here's how you'll know that there's probably something of that going on. You're going to feel this constant niggling pain, emotional pain. So just get real. You don't have to take action. Just start by getting real. Number two, you might feel some physical pain, shoulder ache, back ache, neck ache, belly ache, some physical. This is often your, your unconscious, you know, your suppressed truth communicating to you through your body. Number three, there might be some ongoing dis-ease. Again, so much of what we don't acknowledge consciously gets stored in our body. I say whatever we don't deal with will deal with us. And whatever we don't deal with, we will have to deal with often with the suffering that we end up living or the unhappiness that we end up living in our lives. And so sometimes dis-ease can be a signal that our subconscious is speaking to us that there's something that we haven't been paying attention to, now it's manifesting. And so sometimes this ease can be a profound teacher and invitation just to look at 
what what is the message? What am I not acknowledging? What am I not seeing? What am I not dealing with that is manifesting in my body in an ongoing way now? The other thing is sometimes you might start attracting to yourself people that reflect, act out, demonstrate your own suppressed truth. All of a sudden, you start attracting a ton of angry people in your life. Why do I keep attracting all these angry people? Maybe it's not them that's really angry. It's really you that's angry, but you're not acknowledging that. So you attract people that act out your own subconscious. And that's why I say it's actually easier to tell the truth. It's more painful and difficult to live the life because you will have to face the stuckness in life that comes from living the lie. And that's painful. It can be challenging to speak the truth because, again, the ego wants to protect itself, protect its identity. And so it doesn't want to change. Telling the truth requires some change. And here's another reason why we sometimes resist letting go and surrendering is sometimes we mistakenly think, ah, if I don't let go, if I don't grieve, if I don't feel, for instance, if I don't feel and acknowledge the grief of my mother's death, then maybe I don't have to acknowledge that she's really gone. And so the disconnection can be a kind of way of protecting ourselves again to not acknowledge reality. If I don't really acknowledge the grief and the pain I feel from this breaking up with my wife or the end of this relationship, then maybe I don't have to really acknowledge it's gone. And so I can be in a level of denial. Many times we're in levels of denial. Then we move on to a new relationship but half of our heart is still in the past. So now you're in a new relationship with only half of your heart available. And obviously that's not going to end up too well. So that relationship doesn't work. And then you move on again. Now 80% of your heart is in the past and the cycle continues. So we have to be willing to get real and honest with what am I feeling and allow ourselves to grieve. All feelings remain present to fully felt. Grief will happen in stages and layers, not all at once. But if we're really willing to allow ourselves to feel the grief, so I invite again everyone to sit with, what have you not allowed yourself to grieve? What have you not allowed yourself to feel? And if you can allow yourself to grieve it, to feel it, you then begin letting it go. You then begin releasing that layer. And so layer by layer by layer by layer by layer by layer, you release the old. And that's what also opens you to the new. So when my mother passed, Give you a real example. I was surrendered, but there was grief on a human level. Rather than denying it or being positive or running away, I just allowed myself to be with it. And sometimes there would be feelings. Sometimes there would be tears. Sometimes there would be sensations. And I just allowed myself to be present with it, allow it to move through, cry if I needed to. There was a layer that got released, and then maybe a week later, there was another layer, and then maybe another week later, there was another layer, and, and weeks later, there, was, there were layers and layers, and eventually, there was just space. And so when I think of my mother now, there's a tender place in my heart with a lot of space, a lot of openness, because I've allowed myself to, to feel the grief. I saw that, oh, I'm still here. And my heart didn't break, it broke open to feeling more and more love. The degree to which we suppress the grief is the degree to which we suppress our capacity for love, our capacity to feel. And then each time of grieving and feeling that the capacity of my heart would break open and there was more love. 
and then there was more love. And so each, each time I found my heart could not be broken. And there is a deeper strength that comes when you allow yourself to feel and move through it and release from knowing that your heart cannot be broken rather than suppressing it. And so surrender, surrender happens as you let go and you grieve and you release the old so that you can truly open to the new. But we must start with truth. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me, Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. Hey everyone, my name is Rachel Star Withers and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia, featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is a Psych Central and Healthline Media podcast and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player. Check us out. And we're back with the author of The Magic of Surrender, Coop Blackson. Let me ask you this, though. Is surrendering is, is difficult. How does one begin to surrender, and, and where does one even start? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. But I'll agree that surrender seems difficult. But I would like us to surrender the idea that surrender is difficult. Because holding on to the idea that surrender is difficult I think actually keeps us stuck in making surrender hard. Surrender is easy and surrender is natural. It's the most natural thing as human beings. For instance, obviously we do an audio interview, but if you can visualize that I am holding a pen in my hand, I'm making a fist around this pen and I'm holding this pen very, very, very tightly. And I'm now holding this pen so tightly inside of my fist that my hand is beginning to hurt. If I do this long enough, long enough for days, weeks, months, years, eventually this position of me holding this pen begins to feel natural. It begins to feel normal because I've been conditioning myself to do that. So if I say, okay, let go of the pen, surrender the pen, let go. It's actually so easy to let go. It's natural to let go. How effortless is it to just let go? But because we've been so conditioned to hold on, it can feel so scary. It can feel a little painful. And, and so first, I just want to propose that surrender is your natural state. In fact, surrender is hardwired into your physiology. I think life is reminding us of the way of life. You breathe in. You don't just keep breathing in. You have to breathe out. Exhale. Ah, it's surrender. So every breath, life is reminding us that The nature of life is surrender. You breathe in, you exhale. You breathe in, you surrender. It's ebb and the flow. The inhale, the exhale. The nature of life, the nature of breath, the nature of moment is the surrender. Now, as children, we were born free. As children, we were born surrendered. We were we would cry when we felt like crying. We we pooped when we felt like pooping. We crawled when we felt like crawling. 
we laughed when we felt, we were just in the flow of surrender. We, we would hug when we felt like hugging. We would jump on the table, sing. We didn't care if we didn't sound like Celine Dion or Bruno Mars or Adele. We were just free in the flow of our own true inspiration. We were surrendered as children. We were all in that surrendered, open state of being available to the moment meeting the moment freshly without past preconceived ideas that we were projecting onto life. So what happened? The first thing that happens is we learned as children, often unconsciously, all sorts of strategies to disconnect, shut down, and not feel. Because of the pain and the dysfunction of what was there when we were growing up, we all had some level of some pain, hurt, dysfunction, trauma growing up. We learn to shut down, disconnect, and not feel, suppress our feelings. Suppress our feelings as a way to function, survive, and cope. We started to now erect walls and develop all sorts of strategies and survival mechanisms to protect our heart, to keep us safe, to make sure we don't feel the pain of how we felt, feeling helpless, feeling less than, feeling disconnected. And so we started to learn how to control our feelings in order to not get hurt. And, and most of this isn't conscious, by the way. Who do I need to be in order to fit in, get love, validation, approval, so that you'll love me, mommy will love me, daddy will love me, those people around me will love me. So we contour ourselves into a shape to develop a role, a mask, a persona, an identity, a way of being that we present to the world to be loved. And we hold so tightly to this conditioned version of ourselves that we've become, and we call this me, not because we're being bad, not because we're not open to surrendering. It's just conditioning. It's self-protection. So when we understand that ego is a pattern, it's not what we are, then we can understand why we resist surrendering and why it feels and seems so scary. And so the ability to meet ourselves with compassion, acknowledge and understand that you're not those patterns, Acknowledge and understand that it is scary. The more compassionate you can be with yourself, the more surrender can blossom. Coot, thank you so much for being here. For our listeners who want to learn more, where can they find you online? Where can they get your book? Where is all of your information? Awesome. Thanks for having me. A uh, couple of places. My website, my main website, Coot, K-U-T-E, com. People can, can find me there. For people that might be inspired to go deeper, Twice a year, I do an event in Bali, July and December, called Boundless Bliss, www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's www.boundlessblissbali.com. If you're someone that you feel a calling, you know that there are gifts inside of you and you're ready to uncondition yourself and connect with who you really are and share those gifts with the world. It's a 12-day life-changing journey I do. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, The Magic of Surrender. And yes, Instagram, Coot Laxon. Facebook, Coot Love Now. And my podcast is Soul Talk. Coot, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to our listeners as well. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations. I'm also an award-winning public speaker who could be available for your next event. The book is on Amazon because, well, everything is. But you can get a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me just by heading over to GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free. And can you do me a favor? 
Tell a friend, family member, or colleague about the show. Recommending the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.